I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is a Story Hunter Productions podcast. This episode deals with graphic content and may not be suitable for all listeners. I've been a parent since I was 17 years old. So for me, losing my children was was the hardest thing that could have happened to me. Families destroyed. Children removed from homes and put up for adoption. You know, a child being taken away forever from their family as, as the child protection equivalent of capital punishment as a sentence. Prison sentences for young mothers accused of feeding their children cocaine. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. Why would I come to the hospital to get help and I'm doing that to my son? I couldn't understand why, where their logic was. For more than two decades, flawed hair tests from a lab called Mother Risk, which was based at the Hospital for Sick Children in Toronto, were used in thousands of child protection cases across Canada. They held the promise of easy answers to whether a parent was abusing drugs. Answers that child protection agencies used as proof that children were unsafe in their homes. But the science was flawed. None of the experts at Mother Risk had forensic training. The lab was not accredited as a forensic lab. It was a clinical lab. Sick kids and mother risk were, were cashing the checks, but not really paying attention to what the product was that they were putting out and how reliable it was. And for years, no one questioned their accuracy, except the parents who knew they were wrong. I just didn't want to live because nobody would listen to me and nobody would hear what I had to say. Tina Pitaway brings us the story of the mother risk lab and how it came to wield so much power in the lives of people on the margins. For me, losing my children was was the hardest thing that could have happened to me. But the science was flawed. The child protection equivalent of capital punishment is sentence. In the fall of 2014, Toronto Star reporter Rachel Mendelson was working full-time on the city desk. Mostly doing general assignment reporting, so all kinds of stories, pretty busy, and I had a rare break between stories. It was a slow news day, a rarity for a Daily Beat reporter. I was able to get out of the office and meet this lawyer for lunch. The lawyer was a source Rachel connected with now and then to talk about various cases before the courts, 
Stuff he found interesting that he wanted to put on Rachel's radar. And he said, do you remember Tamara Broomfield? And uh, I I have to confess I didn't remember Tamara Broomfield. Um, And so he told me a little bit about, about the case. Tamara Broomfield's trial had made headlines five years earlier in 2009. Really what was a heinous crime. That 2009 trial focused on events that took place in 2005, when Broomfield was in her mid-20s and a single mom to two-year-old Malik. This little boy had been rushed to the hospital um, with an apparent cocaine overdose. The boy had had a near-fatal overdose. It almost killed him. Malik had had a heart attack and suffered permanent brain damage. The police were brought in to investigate how a two-year-old wound up with a near-lethal dose of cocaine coursing through his young body. But the, the question was, you know, who was to blame? And that's when a motherist came into the picture and tested this boy's hair. The Mother Risk Lab was founded at SickKids in 1985. Initially, it was a resource for doctors and their pregnant and lactating patients that focused on the effects of medications, alcohol, and street drugs on developing fetuses and babies. It also ran clinical tests for the hospital's patients. By the late 90s, Mother Risk had evolved to a for-profit clinic, specializing in testing hair samples to determine drug and alcohol use, both in children as well as parents. Its clients were mostly child protection agencies, plus the occasional criminal case. A week or so after being hospitalized, a sample of Malik's hair was sent to Mother Risk for testing. Within days, Tamara Broomfield became the prime suspect in what police and prosecutors allege was a deliberate poisoning of her son. That test result from Mother Risk had really been the linchpin for the Crown in this case. Tamara Broomfield was charged with aggravated assault and administering a noxious substance to her toddler son. And ultimately... She was convicted of feeding her um, young son... Uh, large doses of cocaine repeatedly over a 14-month period. In 2010, Tamara Broomfield was sentenced to seven years in prison. Vilified in the press and nicknamed Crack Mom, Broomfield served three years in prison before being released on bail pending an appeal of her case. And it was that appeal that Rachel's lawyer friend wanted to speak with her about at their lunch in 2014. Tamara Broomfield's convictions had been tossed out New evidence introduced at her appeal had cast doubt on the science used to convict her in the first place. There was a court of appeal decision a few weeks earlier that had not generated, you know, interest from um, the media. It hadn't been picked up for whatever reason. And, um, you know, he pointed out, this lawyer pointed out, you know, what what made this an interesting decision to him. And uh, right away, you know, I could see it too. What Rachel Mendelson could see what would become abundantly clear once I got back to my desk uh, and read the decision. Was that this appeal could have a huge ripple effect on any cases involving mother risk, cases going back years and years. The lab was not accredited as a forensic lab. It was a clinical lab. They'd essentially presented screening test results at her trial, and, and that was um, in violation of you know international rules for forensic evidence presented in court. Rachel's slow news day was over. She was about to dive into the biggest story of her career. The Mother Risk Lab was a drug testing facility based inside the Hospital for Sick Children in Toronto, one of the most respected children's hospitals in the world. 
you know, it's a really beloved institution. It, I think, has a, a place in the hearts of, of many of many parents, you know, right across the country. It's a place that has a huge reputation, but it's also had some some dark chapters in its past. You know, I, I think as we we started to learn more about what was going wrong at Mother Risk, it became clear that this this would be another one of those dark chapters. By the time of Malik Broomfield's overdose in 2009, the lab had been providing these test results for 10 years. It was a big moneymaker for sick kids. Lab founder Dr. Gideon Corrin testified at the original Broomfield trial. He had testified at, at um, this mother's uh, trial that that the hair testing evidence for mother risk showed this, you know, repeated uh, ingestion of cocaine by this little boy. Broomfield testified that she had nothing to do with her son ingesting cocaine. She wasn't a drug user. She had no known history of drug abuse, a claim that was supported by mother risk test results. She was not a user herself. Her hair was tested and um, she was not a user herself. The trial focused on how Malik came to ingest the cocaine, with prosecutors arguing that Tamara Broomfield had been feeding it to him. She insisted that her son's overdose must have been an accident. She lived in public housing where she claimed that the boy had found cocaine in the hallway before. She said they were drug dealers living down the hall. Um, The boy's father, um, who she was separated from at the time but did live with uh, previously, he, um, you know, had been a cocaine dealer. There had been drugs around the house, but the strength of this mother risk um, hair testing really largely went unchallenged at her trial. The way the mother risk lab conducted its hair testing worked like this. So the idea was that, you know, if hair grows at roughly one centimeter per month, you could cut uh, the length of, of hair, you know, as, as close to the scalp as possible and then divide it up into one month segments and test each of those segments for substances. Part of Mother Risk's claims, and a big part of their marketing, was that their testing could be used not just to determine whether drugs or alcohol were being used. They also said the testing could reveal consumption patterns over time and intensity of use. So you ended up sort of with a diary of of use, and it was really sold as, as exact science. Dr. Gideon Corrin, who was a trained toxicologist, testified that testing on Malik's hair revealed chronic exposure to cocaine each month over a 15-month period prior to his overdose. Corrin told the court that cocaine and its residues were present in amounts that, even for an adult, indicated a, quote, very severe addiction and drug dependence. At trial, Broomfield's defense lawyer argued against accepting the test results into evidence, pointing out, rightly, that the testing done by Mother Risk had consumed the entire hair sample, leaving none for independent testing to be performed by the defense. Ultimately, the judge didn't find that problematic and said they found Corrin's testimony, as well as the hair tests, to be both credible and compelling. And it was that evidence and the weight it was given in convicting Broomfield that laid the groundwork for her successful appeal. What was so interesting about the appeal decision is that she had a, a new lawyer who represented her on appeal, a very well-known wrongful conviction lawyer, James Lockyer. And, uh, you know, he got evidence from expert expert reports from a toxicologist in Alberta 
who essentially, you know, lambasted Mother Risk for the testing analysis they'd done in this case and said that they just had broken, you know, the the forensic rules um, for evidence presented in court. What the testimony revealed about the Mother Risk lab was damning. In the appeal put forward by James Lockyer, he enlisted the testimony of Craig Chatterton, who was the deputy chief toxicologist in the office of the chief medical examiner in Edmonton. Chatterton challenged the methods that Mother Risk used and the validity of their results. That supposed diary of drug use that Dr. Gideon Korn claimed the hair tests demonstrated by testing successive sections of individual hairs, well, it just didn't work that way, according to Chatterton. In a report submitted as evidence in the appeal, Chatterton wrote, quote, It is not possible to determine whether Malik Broomfield had ingested or been exposed to cocaine over an extended time period based on the results of the immunoassay analysis conducted by Mother Risk Laboratory, end quote. Using ELISA tests, which were the kind of tests Mother Risk ran to determine concentration of drug use, was simply unheard of in the world of forensic toxicology. As well, they had failed to confirm these results with a gold standard test. They were not confirming their results with the gold standard test, full stop. And the doctors and staff who worked at Mother Risk, people like Dr. Gideon Corrin. None of the experts at Mother Risk had forensic training. The lab was not accredited as a forensic lab, it was a clinical lab. It wasn't even accredited, Mother Risk wasn't even accredited as a clinical lab, which, um, which does ensure some standards until I believe it's, it's 2011. And sick kids knew that. Between 2007 and 2015, Mother Risk pulled in $11 million for sick kids. Sick kids and Mother Risk were, were cashing the checks, but not really, um, not really paying attention, I guess, to what the product was that they were putting out and how reliable it was. So just to recap the evolution of the Mother Risk lab, Starting in the late 90s, Mother Risk morphed from a lab that did clinical testing to one that claimed to be able to provide forensic evidence. But there was a huge problem with this transformation. It wasn't licensed as a forensic lab. It presented screening tests as though they met the higher threshold of testing required to be considered forensic testing and eligible to be presented in court. For years, courts, as well as child protection services, were working under the false impression that mother risk evidence was forensic evidence from a forensically accredited lab. And the difference is that clinical purposes for a test would be sort of, um, you know, diagnostic, let's say. You know, to very quickly figure out, in the case of, of Malik Broomfield, that would be to figure out what's wrong with him, you know, how do we treat him? The textbook definition of forensic evidence is evidence obtained through proven, effective, scientific testing. So ballistic tests to identify which gun fired a bullet or blood and DNA tests that link individuals to crime scenes. But the hair sample tests that Mother Risk produced were basic screening tests with no measures in place in terms of quality control. But courtrooms and child welfare agencies rarely heard any differing opinions on that because it was always taken as a given that the science behind them was solid. So Mother Risk got it wrong all along the way to varying degrees. Forensic evidence in the courtroom, of course, is often used to establish guilt or innocence. There's an expectation in courtrooms that expert opinion, based on science, is given by people who have an in-depth understanding of the science behind their testing, as well as training in forensics. The manager, the lab manager, Joey Guerreri, uh, he testified in court in dozens of cases. Um, we know um, child protection cases mainly. 
Guerreri testified at the Broomfield Preliminary Inquiry in 2007, so two years before the trial in which she was handed that seven-year sentence. Um, he says that the testing was a black box for him um, and that, you know, he learned on, a, on the job in a, in a job you should never be trained for in that way. Um, he didn't have forensic training. Neither did lab founder Dr. Gideon Corrin. Forensic labs also double-check each and every test result that they conduct in order to meet the so-called gold standard of testing. And as we've heard, Mother Risk only ran single tests. Yeah, forensic labs, the accreditation is way more stringent. Um, You have to retain samples for retesting. For example, uh, this whole idea about nobody double-checking the results, I mean, that, that that would not fly in a forensic lab. Um, there's very strict chain of custody protocols. Uh, all sorts of ways that, that um, mother risk fell short of that. That is what sort of led to all of these problems. These problems, as Rachel's subsequent reporting would reveal, weren't limited to the Broomfield case. The Broomfield case was a bit of an anomaly because the tests were used in a criminal case. They weren't used very often in criminal cases. You know, I think fewer than 10 have been identified in Canada, uh, criminal cases involving mother-risk hair testing evidence. While it was the criminal courts that really put the spotlight on mother-risk to begin with, it was its massive reach into family court and child protection cases where Rachel set her sights for her reporting. And what she would soon see was shocking. Predominantly and overwhelmingly, this evidence was used in child protection matters, thousands and thousands of child protection matters. Through our reporting, we found that Mother Risk performed at least uh, 35,000 tests on 25,000 individuals across the country. Uh, But, you know, we know that that's very likely just a guess. I don't know that anybody has uh, the exact and final tally. Mother Risk's client list was overwhelmingly child protection agencies. So through Freedom of Information, um, the hospital disclosed um, to us that they, that Mother Risk had, you know, over a hundred child protection agencies who were their clients. They also had uh, private sector clients, um, sometimes, you know, parents, let's say, embroiled in a a fierce custody battle um, would uh, would hire mother risk um, to get you know testing done on each other, or maybe they would both get testing done if there were allegations of substance abuse. Um, but predominantly, it was um, you know it was child protection client. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information, 
information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The vast majority of mother risk hair tests were done at the request of child protection agencies from five provinces. So BC, Ontario, Quebec, New Brunswick, and Nova Scotia. And in those cases, the hair, uh, largely of the adults, um, uh, were tested to see if, if they could confirm, you know, suspicions or allegations of substance abuse on behalf of the parents to determine whether or not they were fit parents. So these tests were being ordered um, routinely by children's aid societies um, right across Canada uh, to determine whether or not um, parents were using In British Columbia alone, 46 child welfare agencies sent hair samples to the Mother Risk Lab in Toronto. What these agencies found in Mother Risk, or at least what they thought they found, was a way to determine whether someone was a heavy drug or alcohol user, something that was often difficult and more costly to prove for agencies that are often underfunded and understaffed. Child protection cases are really messy. Um, You know, these are often families that fall short of typical middle-class expectations. Um, You know, there might be a long history of of neglect. There could be abuse, domestic abuse. There is oftentimes uh, poverty, issues around systemic racism um, that have, have impacted these families for generations. These are really difficult things to untangle and to sort of determine whether a parent is fit to be, you know, raising a child, whether the child is safe um, and um, whether the child is thriving with that parent. And so when there are allegations of substance abuse, as there there often are those allegations in child protection matters, child protection agencies, they really kind of grabbed on to this opportunity to have really definitive answers, something, you know, that, that was kind of hard proof in a sea of sort of abstract, um, shifting variables that were difficult to get their hands around. Another factor that allowed Mother Risk's flawed testing to fly under the radar for so long was that the results rarely made it into criminal court proceedings or even family court. You know, many child protection cases are, they don't go to trial. So 
they're decided outside of, of the courtroom. And um, the real kind of harm of, of the way that these these results are sort of entered in to a child protection proceeding and the way they impact a child prote- protection proceeding is that they might kind of come in, you know, at the beginning, let's say, um, and then they erode the trust uh, between the child protection worker and the parent who says, no, I'm not using. And, you know, we did see cases, there were cases where child protection agencies would, um, they would move to uh, try to, you know, get the child made a crown ward, no access. And the final straw, you know, sort of might be this um, a positive result from mother risk. So they were they were used by the child protection agencies at, at every stage of the proceeding. And um, we, we know of a lot of cases, you know, where they were used kind of at pivotal moments when they altered the trajectory of the case. I never had a chance. I never had a chance because of the because of the hair testing. Carmen Brunch was a young mother living in Abbotsford, B.C., when she was first asked to take a mother risk test in October of 2001, following reports of neglect by her neighbors. There was never any reports about me being an abusive mother. I never was reported for abusing my children, physically, ever. Um, What the reports were about was my apparent drug use. Carmen was several months pregnant and raising her three girls at the time child welfare entered her life. So they asked me to take a hair test at that time, and I completely submitted. I didn't have any reason not to. The first sample of Carmen's hair was collected at her home by a child protection worker. And I was thinking, this cannot be right. This is not done in a lab setting. This is not done anywhere for official. And um, when the test results came back a couple of weeks later, they said that they'd found methamphetamine in my hair. They said that there was like nine nanograms of whatever that is. It's like a very, very minute amount of methamphetamine in my hair. Like so minute, I can't believe it even picked it up. It was completely false and I was very, very shocked by it. So they decided they're going to put me on a three month supervision order just to watch me and make sure that I was not, you know, using or I was following the rules. When the ministry becomes involved in your life, it becomes not your life anymore, pretty much. Um, They tell you where to go. They tell you how far to go. They decided they wanted to do a parenting capacity test on me. And the um, social worker came to my house with with a binder for this test. And I think we got through about the first page of the test. And that was never completed, that test. They had me going to a drug and alcohol counselor. Um, And then they think that you need to get involved in parenting courses and you need to take your children out to community events because they want the the children to be seen by the community for protection reasons and things like that. After that three months supervision order went by, they decided they were gonna add another three months to it because they weren't really positive that I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. This went on for 18 months with no further drug tests throughout that time other than that initial test for mother risk. Then... May 16th, 2003. That morning I woke up and I was just getting ready to go out because I was going to get some stuff from the church to get us through the weekend um, because it was a long weekend. And um, I never got that far. The ministry came to my house 
and um, they said, we need you to go to take a test right now. And I said, a test? And they, I said, I said, I'm not taking another heart test. And they said, no, no, we want you to go take a urine test. Carmen says that while ministry workers stayed behind with her kids, she went to the clinic that they directed her to. So I sat there for about four and a half hours waiting for this test to be done. According to Carmen, unbeknownst to her at the time she was waiting to do her urine test. The ministry had called the lab and asked them to postpone my test because they were trying to get a warrant to take my kids away. Finally, when they allowed me to take it, I could leave. So I called my friend, um, Sophie, and uh, Sophie came to get me. And we went to the church and picked up the coupons for the food that they were gonna give me. We went to the store. And as I was leaving the store, my oldest daughter called me and said, Mom, they're here, they're taking the babies away. And she was frantic. She said, they threw me out of the house. What do I do? And I said, I'll be there in a minute. I'm on my way home. And I got there and there was police cars everywhere. There was social workers all over my house. They wouldn't let me anywhere near my children. And I I began to freak out. I, I went ballistic, I think, in my front yard. Three of Carmen's four children were taken into care that day. Her youngest, her son, who was eight months old, and two daughters, aged three and five. Her oldest daughter, the girl who called Carmen, was 15 and was not taken into care. Well, I mean, I, I've been a parent since I was 17 years old. So for me, losing my children was was the hardest thing that could have happened to me. I I didn't know how to function without them. I um, And I begged them, like I begged them to tell me what I needed to do to get them back. After they took the kids, and I went to court and found out that the urine test that I took that day was completely negative. With no trace of drugs in Carmen's system showing up in the urine test, the ministry ordered another hair test for mother risk. The second one they did um, about a year into the kids being in care, they decided they wanted to do another one on me. So uh, they had me come to the office and they did it in the office, in the social worker's office, with the scissors off of her desk, with a piece of cardboard out of the garbage and from the tape off of her desk. She cut my hair herself, put it on a piece of cardboard and said she would send it in. So, I mean, I didn't find that either one of these tests were done adequately, even from the get-go. So I thought the whole time that the social worker actually was the one who was tampering with the tests. Um, I had no idea it was the labs until later on. The results of that second mother risk test were devastating to Carmen and her fight to get her kids back. And the second one that they did on me was so, so high that I basically should not have been alive if I was doing as much as what they said I was doing. And uh, it was basically like doing like an eight ball of speed a day. It was it was ridiculous anyways. And, and I was looking at my lawyer going, well, how can one be so, so high and one can be so, so low? Like, I'm, I'm not getting this. And then my urine tests are negative. So what's happening here? And he said, I, I, I don't know, but I can't fight this test because that's who they use and we don't have anybody else we can go through. Next time on Story Hunter Podcasts. Um, I just didn't want to live because nobody would listen to me and nobody would hear what I had to say. 
And and even if they did, because of these hair testings, the courts just said, you know, obviously, you know, you must be using because these tests are accurate, obviously, because we've been using them for years. And I said, but but that's not that's not the truth. This is, these are not truthful. And I'm, I'm telling you that I was not using, but it doesn't matter when you're dealing with the ministry, you're wrong and you're and you're 100% of the time lying. We'll hear the shocking conclusion to Carmen's fight for her children, as well as hear from James Lockyer, the lawyer who exposed the rot at the core of mother risk. I'd, I'd call them uh, deceptive. Uh, I mean, uh, there was an element perhaps even of corruption there, at least on the part of Coron suggestion that he was making a profit on the side from drugs that he was selling through Mother Risk and giving a testimony in cases that I'm aware of uh, that was uh, deceptive, if not downright false. And we bring you inside the recent acquittal of another mother who was found guilty of feeding her child cocaine in a trial where Mother Risk evidence was used against her. Oh, I'm overwhelmed right now, but I'm happy and glad, and it's about time. It's been a long time. This is a Story Hunter Productions podcast written and produced by Tina Pitaway. Executive producer is Catherine Fogarty. Audio production is by Daniel Borgers at Borgers Music. Visit us at storyhunterpodcast.com and sign up for our newsletter to get more information and updates about new podcasts. And check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you enjoyed this story and others, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app and feel free to leave us a review. We appreciate you listening. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.